when I was about um, three and a half, four years of age, uh, my mum and her sister got radically saved and started going along to a little Assemblies of God church in Stain Cross in Barnsley, where there was a bit of a move of the spirit going on at the time. They started get, um, getting, uh, going along to that church and uh, my mum started to take me, uh, uh, take me with her, and so from the age of being about three and a half, four years of age, um, I've been going to church pretty much every week. Uh, when I was four, my mum explained to me that I needed to invite Jesus into my life, and so I prayed with her on her bed and became a Christian. And then a short time later, my dad uh, gave his life to Jesus as well. And um, I'll tell you how much of a church geek I am and was um, when I was like 10 years old me and my brother used to come home from church and with our Duplo blocks we used to build a church building and then we ran our own church services um, so um, we, we would we would get the, the bulletin that you had out and on the back of our church bulletin um, someone had like a member of the church each week would write like a different devotional and so I would like read out the devotional as a preach and like one of us would read the notices and uh, probably my brother took up the offering because he's, he's a business guy and all that kind of stuff and we would have our own little church service and it, it was pretty good you know um, but um, for the past 21 years, I've been working um, for the church, um, uh, you know, in various roles. I was a children's evangelist, a youth pastor, an assistant pastor, an associate pastor, an itinerant minister. I've read, uh, led ministry schools and done all kinds of stuff. I've traveled to churches around the UK, America. North America, South America, Africa, Europe. I've been to big churches, small churches, modern churches, traditional churches. I've gone to churches that were full of the power and presence of God and some churches where it looked like God had not been there for quite some time. I met some incredible pastors and leaders and also met some pastors and leaders that I'd rather not meet again, if I'm honest with you. Um, I've been to some churches where I've like been like, wow, I have never been in anything like this before. And then I've been to some churches where I've been like, wow, I've never been in anywhere like this before. Um, I've been to churches that have grown and been in powerful moves of God and churches that have gone through church splits, gone through bereavement and heartache and all kinds of stuff. But I believe I can still stand here today and say that I love the church of Jesus. And um, I believe that one of, one of the reasons for that, of course, is that Jesus loves his church. And Jesus is passionate about his church. Um, I believe that Jesus loves the fact. I, can, I don't know everything, but I know one thing. Jesus is happy and delighted that a church has been planted here on Kingswood today. As well as, of course, we remember all those that are meeting in Cottingham in Westall today. Um, Jesus in, uh, sorry, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, he, um, oh, I should say, by the way, if you are seated behind this pillar, 
um, you've either got a terrible seat or a really good seat, depending on how you view my face. Um, it's like the cheap seats in the in the theatre, isn't it? So you only, when it comes to tithes and offerings, you only have to give five percent, okay, rather than <laughs> rather than ten if you're behind the pillar. But I think we are looking at putting a little screen up behind that pillar, so you get you'll get double vision. Um, <laughs> But in, in Ephesians 5, Paul uses the analogy of human marriage to talk about the relationship between Jesus and his church. So he says in, in, in verse 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Um, after all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds it and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Isn't that amazing that Jesus has become one with his church? That Christ is in the church and that the church is in Christ. And there's one thing we know for sure that it is Jesus is ruler and Lord over his church. Um, we know that the way that we do church changes, where we meet changes. We know that pastors and leaders and church members come and go. We know that we go through good times and difficult times. And praise God that there's a, a buzz and an expectancy here this morning. But I'm sure that over the years there will be times of heartache and struggle and, and difficulty. But one thing is for sure, Jesus is Lord of his church. Amen? This is not Jared's church or my church or the directors or the pastors. This is the church of Jesus. Uh, I love it in Hebrews. It says there is a great high priest over the house of God. So we know that the name of Jesus is over this place. We know that the lordship of Jesus is over this place. And we know that his banner over us is love. This, these verses in Ephesians tell us that Jesus loves his church so much that he died for her. He calls his church his bride. He has covenanted to wash his church, to feed his church, praise God for the buns this morning, uh, to care for his church, uh, to provide for his church, and he has promised to build his church. And the gates of hell, there's no pandemic, there's no economic crisis, there's no government dictate, there is nothing that can stop Jesus building his church. Amen? Um, so if you've got a Bible this morning, um, turn with me to Psalm 84. And uh, this is a well-known well psalm. And we could read it all, but we'll just read the first, uh, first four verses. It says, How lovely is your dwelling place, 
O Lord Almighty. This is speaking in the context about the the temple where those in the Old Testament would go to, to worship God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Amen. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Anyone else up for some blessing this morning? Who knows that we need the blessing of God in our lives? The blessing of God makes one rich, the Bible says, and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, I don't know about you, but I need the blessing of God over my home, over my family, over my finances, over every area of my life. I need and desire and crave the blessing of God. Anyone else? Well, who knows that that many blessings in the Bible are conditional. And here is one of the conditions. Blessed are those who what? Dwell in your House. And everyone said dwell. dwell. That word dwell, because you think of dwelling place. You think of a house. You think of a home. You think of a family. In other words, it's not blessed of those who just turn up to church now and again. It's not blessed of those who their name is on kind of a database somewhere. It's not blessed of those who just sit in a seat but it's blessed are those who dwell in the house. Blessed are those who have made the house of God their home. The place where they found their spiritual family and they are planted in that house. That word dwell or dwelling is used twice in those verses. Um, it begins by saying, how lovely is your dwelling place. And then it says, blessed are those, us, who dwell in your house. So it reminds us that before it talks about church or the house of God being our dwelling place, it begins by saying that this is his dwelling place. Who knows that we're not inviting him to church this morning. That actually this is his house. This is his dwelling place. Jesus has said that where two or three are gathered, he is there in the midst. I love that he's not on the fringes. He's not on the outskirts. He is right in the middle. And I pray that when we turn up on a Sunday, we will always, we will worship like he's in the midst because he is we will pray like he's in the midst because he is we will come with an expectancy that he's here because he is 
how awesome is this place? This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. We've come to the gate of heaven this morning. Uh, we have access to his grace, to his power, to his blessings, to his presence, to all that God is and all that God has. We have access to it this morning. We've come to the gate of heaven. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that Jesus walks among the lampstands, the churches. Jesus is walking among and in this place this morning. Who's excited by that? That means that all things are possible this morning. Amen? So this is his dwelling place. God is here. And let us never, ever forget that. The presence of God is here. How lovely is your dwelling place? But then his dwelling place has to become our dwelling place. How lovely is your dwelling place? Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Um, I think that this world is desperate for family and for community and for fellowship. It's a good Pentecostal word, isn't it? But it's needed and it's powerful and it's true. Um, I've kind of taught on this before and I I don't want to kind of get into it this morning. But um, as you look in the Bible, every every new dispensation of God began with a family. I could show you that all the way through the Bible. That whenever God does something new, he always looks for a family to do it through. And... Uh, the Bible tells us that God sets the lonely or the solitary not in church buildings, not in an institution, not in just a meeting, but in what? In a family. Um, when Cain um, killed his brother right at the start of Genesis, the punishment for Cain was God said, You will be a restless warrior on this earth. In other words, you'll always be moving around, but you will never find a place to call home. You'll never find a place where you can have family. And Cain said to God, that punishment is more than I can bear. Even this ungodly man knew the value of family and community. And um, I don't know about you, but in my time in church, I met a lot of restless warriors in my time. People that are always moving about from church to church, pastor to pastor, place to place, never putting their roots down. And there is a, there's a, a restlessness and an unhappiness and quite often an unfruitfulness that is attached to their lives. But all the difference when you know this is my family, this is my community, this is my tribe, this is my people. And listen, it may not be here on Kingswood, it may be one of the other campuses, it may not even be Revive, but I pray that every person here would find a spiritual family and a spiritual home where you can be blessed and you can grow and you can, you can flourish in the house of God. I love it what it says there in verse 3. Even the sparrow 
has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. We were, um, we went to Warwick Castle on uh, Tuesday, and uh, there was this incredible birds of prey display. Um, if you've never been, it's worth the like six hundred pound admission fee. Um, <laughs> Oh, maybe not, but, um, you know, we were all sat there on the grass and they bring out, um, you know, eagles and hawks and uh, big barn owls and all kinds of stuff. And they're all swooping over your heads. And it's just uh, an incredible, magnificent, um, magnificent sight. Uh, But here, God is not talking about the great birds of prey. He's talking about the sparrows, the most common the most ordinary, the most insignificant birds that there are. And he says, even the sparrow has found a home. That shows me that, I mean, no one is insignificant, but even if you feel that you're insignificant or ordinary or not got much to offer, there is a home, there is a family, there is a place for every one of God's children. Even the sparrows, God has got a home for them. And God has got a home for every single person here and all those on Kingswood who've yet to find where their home is. Amen. Um, I love the the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And I just want to read you this out of the, the Passion Translation. Um, This is the bit where the son comes to his senses and and goes back to the father's house. He says, so the young son set off for home from a long distance away. His father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. Great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. Uh, By the way, if we're bringing that culture into into Kingswood, you, you can leave me out on the on all the hugging and kissing but the rest of you you go for it um then the son said father i was wrong i've sinned against you i could never deserve to be called your son just let me be the father interrupted and said son you're home now son daughter you're home now here's my prayer that when people walk through these doors on a Sunday, they will feel in their hearts, son, daughter, you're home now. There are people on Kingswood that are sick in their bodies. There are people struggling with mental health, with depression, anxiety, all kinds of things. When they walk into this place, son, you're home now. There are people that are, that marriages are falling apart, that their kids are off the rails, there's addiction problems, there's financial problems. When they walk through these doors, son, daughter, you're home now. I know there, there are people here that are, you know, we, we are people here that are so busy in work, in business. We've got teachers here and doctors here and pharmacists here and all kinds of people that are so uh, busy. And I want to pray that when you walk here on a Sunday, it's like, son, daughter, you're home now. This is a place where you can get rested up, 
get empowered, get fired up and ready to go again this week or this school year for those that that's relevant to. Um, you know, there are people that maybe have not been to church for a long, long time or never been to church. But when they come in here, it's son, daughter, you're home now. Um, maybe people that have had a bad experience of church. Son, daughter, you're home now. People that have got dreams and callings and giftings and ministries. And uh, by the way, this is Laura's mum and dad who are here this morning visiting. And thank you, Glenn, for helping us with the worship. But we're believing, I, I, we're believing for more worship leaders, more musicians, more pastors, more preachers, more evangelists. And when they walk through the doors, it's son, daughter, you're home now. This is a place where we want to support you and bless you and use you and send you out to do whatever God has called you to do and whatever God has called you to be. Um, this is a place where you'll be clothed, celebrated, hugged or kissed by other people, <laughs> restored, healed, transformed, and you'll find your identity in the house of God. How do we do that? Well, it's all of our job. Because who knows, it's only a family that makes a house a home. And there is no one pastor or leader or leadership team that can, you know, we, it sounds nice, doesn't it? Sometimes you kind of, you hear kind of pastors come up with these visions like, oh, we're going to be united, we're going to be family and all this kind of thing. But actually, it's what we all do. And we all create that sense of family and home. Um, you know, uh, thank you, Bill and Edie, for being on the door this morning and giving out the, the chocolates and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and we, we, we want, we're going to have more people and we want stewards and welcome team and all that kind of thing. But one thing I kind of really want to move away from is kind of just two people with big badges that say welcome team and, you know, high-vis jackets and neon flashing hats. And I, I want us all to be the worship team because uh, it's not two people's job or four people's job actually all of us we, we need to be welcoming people chatting to people get here early help set up help talk to people have a cup of tea coffee with people and let's create a real sense of family and community in this place let's all together get a hold of that spirit that says this is my house this is my family this is the place where I am planted in Acts 2 it speaks about the early church and it says that they all of them devoted themselves to the preaching, to the teaching, to the communion, and to the fellowship. We, we, we can put on structures that can help create that sense of family, and we're going to do that. We're going to put on some Sunday lunches where we can all gather together and hang out on a Sunday afternoon and have food together and get some tables out. We're going to put on men's breakfasts and women's... Why is it always men's breakfasts and women's brunches? I don't know. Maybe because the women are busy on a first thing probably yeah that's what I was going to say um, 
Um, but yeah, yeah, come on. Um, so we're going to do men's ministry, women, all that kind of stuff. But um, just structures and events and programs and meetings don't create family, do they? We all need to come together and, and be that, that family of God where we love and care for each other. I love, I love Psalm 92 that says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Anyone up for doing some flourish? Anyone up for being fresh and green, whatever that means? Anyone up for bearing fruit, even in old age? Come on. But again, there's a condition. Those who are planted in the house of God. That means more than just attending, more than just sitting in a seat, but actively serving, being involved, and and pouring out for the body of Christ. So, um, this is kind of after church homework this morning we got a couple of sheets up on on the wall there with some pens and we're looking for people that want to be part of the team here on Kingswood we need people that are going to help run the car park before the service we want people to welcome people um kind of as, as people come in we want people to run refreshments uh who's um not here this morning, she, uh, but she was up uh, baking these lovely prophetic cakes with little Bible verses on. Anyone who can bake and do that kind of stuff, uh, please put your name down. We, we're into all that. Uh, people that can help with tech, with sound, people that want to be part of the worship team or um, the, the kids team who want to be part of hospitality. There's all kinds of uh, people that can uh, that want to minister to new newcomers, new believers, all that kind kind of stuff um if this is not to kind of sign your life away but if it's yeah if, if no one else is up for it um put my name down or yeah that's something that i could be involved in put your name down there and we want to start to grow and develop teams that are really going to serve each other um here in kingswood as we gather together each um each sunday we want this place to be full of hustle and bustle and noise and sound um blessed are those who dwell in your house they are ever praising you we want that sound of praise and worship and joy again luke 15 it says there was a sound of music and dancing as the prodigal son came home um i don't know about anybody else but i'm an, i've had enough of talk about how bad things have been how terrible things have been about all the struggle we want to it's a new day it's a new era it's a time to for joy and celebrate and faith and declare the goodness of god amen amen, amen. so um, just as i kind of um, begin to just draw to a close in a moment um i think it was uh, rick warren who said um the local church is the hope of the world and we're here yes because we want to be family and we want to we we want teaching and worship and prayer and all that kind of stuff but we are also here to reach Kingswood with the gospel that's why we've split down into these two campuses and i'm believing by the way there are people here i believe over the next few years we can have a campus in 
centre of Hull. We can have a campus in Beverly. We can have a campus in East Hull. And so don't get too comfy because we're going to send people out of here to plant new churches and out of of Cottingham as well to plant new campuses all over East Yorkshire. Why? Because we want to win communities for Jesus and with the gospel. Um, I I remember years and years ago listening to a, a CD of Jared, this was like before we were part of of Revive. It was it was like new life back then. But uh, I remember him uh, uh, listening to a message of him talking about one of his friends in South Africa, um, who one Sunday morning they had a powerful service where the glory of God came down in that church service, and people were just laying on the floor, overwhelmed by the presence of God. And then as they left the church building, um, the pub next door was very quiet. And as he looked through the windows, as God had poured out his spirit in the church, God had poured out his spirit in the pub next door as well. And I always thought that was a great story. And then um, on Wednesday night at the 7.14, it was it was Rebecca Seeger who prayed uh, for the pub next door. And it was like, oh, wow, we've got a pub next door. Come on, we want to see God saturate this community with the presence and the glory of God. And of course... That's move of God stuff. But there's hands and feet stuff as well that we can do. And so again, on that list, um, that somewhere I think it says, it says outreach, evangelism. Um, I know that there are people here. Your classroom is your mission field. Your hospital is your mission field. Your office is your mission field. But also I know there are people here who are saying, you know what, what can we do as a church family to win this community for Jesus. And so if you have ever thought, if you have ever had an idea of, I think the church should be doing this to reach out, this is a blank sheet of paper. And we want to see whatever God wants to do. I know there are people here that have talked about running coffee mornings for the elderly. I know there are people here that have uh, that uh, we're going to start a detached youth work in the next few weeks, reaching out to the unchurched youth of Kingswood. The work of little angels is still going to carry on um, with all the mother and toddlers. We've got CMA that will be meeting here tomorrow, helping people that are struggling financially. Who knows that ministry is needed more than ever before. If you want to help in any of those ministries or you have your own ministry idea, you're like, this is an area in which I could help reach out into Kingswood. Maybe someone wants to start an alpha course. Uh, Maybe someone wants to start, uh, you know, running stuff for people that are struggling with mental health. It really is a blank sheet of paper, a blank canvas. Just come and see me or, or write some stuff out there. And we want to see this place Every day, stuff happening to reach this community with the gospel. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Um, Can can you guys just come up and we're going to dive back into worship in a moment. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Um, Because we know that the house of God, home, is not just a church building, is it? Home is the presence of God. And 
we've, we've just been on holiday and um, going on holiday is great, isn't it? But there's something about coming home. And for many of us here, we found that the presence of God is our home. That we go out and we do our stuff, but we know there's a place in his presence where we can be refreshed, we can be energized, we can find peace and joy and grace and wisdom 